Good day, everyone. Today is November 17th, 2022. I'm your host, James Hicks from Hicks New Media, and welcome to Perspectives in Focus, where we highlight the people, industries, ideas, and technology that are making positive strides within society. Today's guest, Mr. Steve Reinhardt, who is the CEO at Artificial Intelligence Technology Solutions Incorporated. Steve has more than 20 years of experience in the high-tech industry. He began coding at an early age, and he even self-published a book on AI back in 1991. He founded Robotic Assistance Devices back in 2016, which offers robotics and AI-based security, operational, and monitoring services. Today, we're going to talk about not just the organization that Steve works for that he has founded, but we're going to talk about some some really deeper conversations. We're going to talk about ethical AI. We're going to talk about how ethical AI is, is used and how racial bias due to incorrect baselining causes data to really impact how society embraces artificial intelligence and where that is today and where that's going. So this is going to be a good conversation, and I hope you guys engage and interact with us. But in a minute... Steve, let's go. There we go. Ladies and gentlemen, we, we are alive. We are officially live. It is definitely, uh, I don't know, an exercise in futility going doing this live streaming thing. Steve Reinhardt, how are you doing today, sir? I'm really good, James. Thanks for having me. Love the show. Uh, love the content that we're going to cover. Yeah. And uh, and I'm ready, man. I love it, man. I love it. Uh, I, talking AI, and I, and I see already that someone in, in, the, in, in the comments was putting something on, and one of my AI bots kind of reached out to them automatically and said, hey, stop spamming. But Marilyn, hey, I'm telling you right now, you're not spamming. So pay no attention to Nightbot. <laughs> I, I'm going to overstep that right there. Uh, Steve, let's get into this. I, I, I did a little bit of an intro again about who you are. But again, at the 35,000 foot level, I always like to have folks tell their origin story. Uh, sure. I understand that we may have some things in common from back in the past. Look, I, I got a lot of salt in the beard, so I've, I've been around a few <laughs> times as well. But tell tell folks, if if you don't mind, who you are and, and kind of introduce yourself to my community, because my community, again, is mainly solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, folks that are interested in biz tech and folks that are interested in, in financial tech as well. So if you don't mind. No, I don't mind at all. And listen, I'm part of your community. You know? <laughs> I'm I'm exactly in that in that area. Listen, you know, I mean, if I had to describe myself, I, I just, you know, I got limited time to try to make an impact. And, uh, and that's just kind of how I, I view it. You know, I don't, I don't accumulate or view material wealth as anything really worth bragging about. It's, um, I just like uh, being as good a person as I possibly can be and fulfilling my own potential. But then uh, that's just a little bit about me. What do I do, though, is I love to create and I love to invent. And the company that I founded has an amazing challenge in front of ourselves where we get to um, reimagine a couple really old industries that are really bad at adopting technology. And because of that, I get to apply all different kinds of skills and experiences that I've gained, you know, over my 50 years, which started with uh, programming in basic on a VIC-20 when I was oh, 10 years old. 
I just wanted to hear you say that one more time. You said it. <laughs> that, that that just makes my heart smile when, when you said I, I don't have it still here. But that was oh, go ahead, man. I I apologize. The Vic twenty. No, 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 man. No, go because on, man. everyone else remembers the sixty Commodore sixty four, but us yeah, old yeah, school yeah. folks remember the white Vic twenty. God, that is the good. White Vic twenty. Yeah, uh, white Vic twenty. Yeah, uh, twenty k for those people that are under <laughs> forty. Had twenty k, uh, which is like a one tweet. I mean, yeah. you know, not quite, but Crazy. it's just uh, amazing. Yeah. That's how we got started, man. Like our Jen, James, are really the guys who took that and created it, you know? I mean, you were involved in it. I mean, yeah. you're going hot and heavy with the big names in the 90s and the and the early aughts, right? True. I mean, listen, yeah. I, I, I had the, the, the tape deck that would record and I would write <laughs> my, my programs in basic and I'd had the five and a quarters. And, but that's where... Tell us now. I'm well, still that's, that's true. Right. You know, and, and the real, the real, everyone thinks they were doing something, but all they were doing were rewinding. So, but that, that's, that was just TV magic, but, <laughs> but, but that's really where folks have to understand that piece. I think of this overall journey, right. This overall technology journey to understand where we started from and really the complexity that we had back in the day. And, and again, I apologize, man, but you, you just started talking about some things that really, I think that we're going to gel on, but be, being at either that early forefront, being in at the early adoption piece, knowing that this is how we had to work around the limitations of technology to make technology work at that earlier stage, right? And then to, I think that maybe helps you in your role and what you're doing today to understand that we've come from this, but now technology has expanded so much and now we have the capability to do darn near anything that we want to do. There, there should be no limitations to what we can train an algorithm or train a platform to do if we put our minds to it. And as long as we're doing it, again, from an ethical perspective, an ethical artificial intelligence perspective, if we're looking for something to take over a task for Steve or for James, that kind of thing. Does, does that kind of make sense in terms of what, since your journey to where, you, where you've gone today to how you can take advantage and leverage technology? Yeah, it, it absolutely makes sense because, you know, and tell me if this resonates with you or if it doesn't, but, you know, the first time that I started programming and I started understanding the concepts of what programming can do, mm. it opened up this like completely open world to me that was completely free of, you know, you know, different types of rules or authority figures or standards or history or anything like that. And in that world, in that space. We could do anything. And from that, so many of us, you know, from that generation and, the, and you know, the late stage generation just before us imagined this new world. And, you know, I was never a sci-fi guy, never a big sci-fi guy. I was more into fantasy than sci-fi. Right? Okay. I didn't really have a big influence um, on me from the sci-fi stuff. But just, uh, you know, growing up in, you know, more or less working class family with mother, teacher, father, and accountant. Um you know, you, you, you dream and you, and you have energy and you want to put it somewhere. And I put it into programming. I put it into what the future might be. And, and that's why that book popped out when I was, uh, when I was 19. Um, and yeah, so for me, getting to do what I do today is just an absolute pleasure with a lot of tears and a lot of angst to yeah. get here and to fight every day. But I feel that I'm living, um, my potential, I also feel so well supported by mm. 
this incredibly educated and informed uh, AITX retail shareholder base. So I get great support from uh, the retail shareholders. I get great support from our institutional funders. I get great support from our dealers, our customers. And it's really nice to be because there were years where we didn't have that. Where it was just <laughs> yeah. Pushing a it was, just an, it was just an idea, right? It was it was just right. a concept, a principle, those kinds of things. But now you're starting to see some fruition. Uh, yeah. That that that's good because I want to dive into that in a second. But I I, I want to go back a little bit and touch on because I'm not going to let you just be very humble on on the stream here. You know, Self publishing a book at 19 is a big deal, right? And and where did that wherewithal come to say? At, and at 19, a book on artificial intelligence, right? I mean, again, where, where did that come from? Right. Yeah. yeah again, we started yeah. coding and we started programming at an early age, but to, to have the the time, the mentality and the maturity again at, at a 19 year old to say, I'm going to write this document. I'm going to write this pamphlet. I'm going to write this book. And, and you know, a lot of 40, 50, 60 year olds are going to read it. What, what gave you the, I like the word audacity. What gave you the audacity at 19 years old to write a book about such an interesting concept that early on, right? Back that so, so many years yeah. ago. Uh, I don't want to date you I there wish, when I say I that. I wish I could uh, point to somebody and, and give them credit for it. You know, I, I wish that I could, but really the bottom line was it was pragmatic mm. uh, combined with interest and passion. So basically going through, you know, in Ontario, Canada, computer science program, high school computer science program, um, there was nothing at the time on artificial intelligence. Like, mm. you, you know, in the early 90s, late 80s, I mean, artificial intelligence, nothing had been written on it since right. the 50s and the 60s. Right. And I couldn't believe it because, you know, it was just so clear to me how it was going to drive so much of our future. So I'm doing research on it for a, 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 a computer science project when I was 18. And I, you know, I kind of wrote, wrote the fundamentals of it for that project. And, uh, and then when I was in college, my first year, I was like, man, what am I going to do this summer? You know, cause I'd been working landscaping jobs okay. in the summer for the, for, for the prior four years. And I was like, ah, I don't know if I feel like going back mowing lawns again. <laughs> it was pretty cool, man. I got a good tan, you know, but I was like, I don't know if I worked on the cardio a little bit too. Okay. You know, yeah. 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 I don't know if, you know, 115 degrees, you know, pickaxing, you know, turning up tree beds was really like in my future for that summer when I was 19. So I said, you know what? I had already done a few entrepreneurial things. I went to the province. I got a loan, mm. you know, mm. uh, published, uh, self-published the book, the first version of the book. And I learned the first of many, many, many expensive business lessons. And that lesson was get a good editor because the first version of the book was so bad. I had to trash the entire run and uh, get an editor, get the book fixed up and then, uh, and then get it in. So anyway, yeah, so that's how, that's how I got into it, but it was a very focused uh, audience. You know, even at that point I was focusing audiences and the audience was where I came from. It was high schools in Canada mm. that wanted to do a segment on artificial intelligence big textbooks hadn't picked it up yet but you know teachers at that time had uh, ability to put stuff into their curriculum that they felt was important so it was a week-long textbook um, and then many years later i kind of updated it and reformatted it uh for use uh, uh you know just to kind of help launch aitx and really give the industry 
an idea of where I was coming from and where we were going in layman's terms. That's gotcha. the book. Yeah. So let me ask you this, then. So where do you think we are today? So from, from that particular time to when, when you wrote the book to where you are today, where do you think we as an overall society are in the acceptance adoption of artificial intelligence? And then we'll, we'll go into kind of the subject matter of, of today's conversation. But I, I want to know the masses, right? The majority. How comfortable do you think or how aware do you think the overall society is in terms of what artificial intelligence is? What, what do you think the majority of folks think when they hear AI? Yeah. I mean, and that's really why I love doing these types of sessions mm. and I love spreading the knowledge of what it is because to answer the question is, is I don't think there's a general understanding, you know, on any level mm -hmm. of what, mm -hmm. what it is. I think there's a small single digit percentage of folks who really understand what AI is. Um, and then I think maybe half the population thinks that it's stuff they see on TV. Right. And then half the population, the rest of the population think they don't even know what it is. They don't care what it is because they're busy trying to put food on the table and pay their gas bill. That's truth. That's truth. So that, that's how I think it is. But it's so important. You know, it's just it's it's it, today it's it's not much. But, you know, 40 years ago, computers weren't much either. So it's just a matter of time. But you tell me, James, where do you think the population is right now on their understanding or acceptance of AI? You know, I I think there's still hesitation, right? I think there's still hesitation in terms of from, from different dynamics. I think there's hesitation from a economics perspective, folks thinking we, we've talked about jobs, right? Folks thinking that maybe an artificial intelligent robot or an artificial intelligence type of mechanism may take their job from them. Right. So I, I think that's a real concern, especially as we're coming out of this. We're not coming out of it yet, but this election cycle, but coming, you know, going through this right now, that's that's a real concern that I think, again, the blue collar America, this blue collar society thinks about when they think of something like an artificial intelligence being mechanism platform doing things that they probably could have done uh, to whatever extent. From a technologist perspective, I'm concerned because I know the good, the bad, and the ugly of a lot of things, right? <laughs> I, I, I personally, and so I've got the story that I personally have owned it, and I know I shouldn't, but it's a demon that I deal with. I feel that I own the short attention span of a lot of our youth when it comes to social media because I worked at a lot of organizations that sold the infrastructure to the Dells and the, and the Googles and the Facebooks and the HPs of the world, right? The, the storage and all that. So, you know, that three second attention span that our youth has, I, I personally have a challenge with that because I, I think that I'm the one who helped with that. But I also know that anything you put out there on social media never leaves, right? You, you can't <laughs> delete a tweet. You, you can't delete a picture. It, it, there's always a way and I'm smart, but I, there's a lot of people that are smarter than I am that, that can still find that information. So I worry about, checks and balances within technology and is there enough of that right are there enough of those folks that are watching that the the ai and that the robots and that you know those types of things don't misbehave right so i'm always looking for that but i but again i still see the more pros in terms of moving forward and accepting and and, and adjusting to new technology platforms and new artificial intelligence and just new means and more effective means of doing whatever it is that we do today. So I, I sit in the middle, right? I, I see the good. 
I see the not so good and I see kind of the, the neutral and I see that there's still a long way to go just in having this conversation with folks who are already further down the road like you, right? You, you've got products out there from your various organizations that are doing good work. You were just right, participating in a criminal investigation where you talked about the value that your products had in bringing justice. I mean, that's, that's the good work that I think, I don't think a lot of folks don't understand about what artificial intelligence, security analysis, those types of things do. So I, I'm probably the wrong person to ask because I can give an answer on both sides of the fence, but I try to be pragmatic and say, I know where we are today. I know we're not completely to where we want to be as a society, as either a overall society and as a technology society, but there are folks behind the scenes like you and your organization that are doing the good work to get us progressively to a safer economy society using other methods of operation, other methods of uh, security detection, other methods of surveillance and things of that nature. So I'm, I'm hopeful for, I'm hopeful for the future. I'm, I'm a glass half full, some kind, kind of guy, right? It depends on what I'm drinking that day, but. Uh, there you oh. go, there you go. Well, I think just because of the answer that you gave, that you're exactly the right person mm. to give that answer, you know? But, you know, going back to jobs and blue collar, I like sharing with everybody that I possibly can that nobody, nobody should feel secure in their job, that nobody yeah. should look at what they do and think that it can't be replaced by a machine. And I say that to people, and I'm not just saying blue collar. I'm saying white collar too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and and people look at me like, oh my goodness, no, that can't be. They, I can't be replaced, right? <laughs> it never happens to me. My car is never going to get stolen. My house is never going to get broken into. Nothing bad is ever going to happen to me. It's only everything. And so people are like, no, that's not true. So, well, I say to the back again, I say, well, give me a job or an occupation that you think can never be replaced by a robot. Yeah. And inevitably, whatever they throw at me, I'm like, okay, well, this is how it would be done. And this is how it will be done. And there's three companies working on it right now. Right. Well, I want everybody, you know, to sleep a little less soundly tonight and challenge themselves, can you really not be replaced by a robot? And that brings us to discussions of utopian versus dystopian futures and what that looks like. Almost like you've done this before, right? I mean, I, I, <laughs> let me just close out my notes because you, you got it right there. But again, I, and I, I want to add to that as well that it's, it's not even just artificial intelligence. Again, I think you've opened some eyes and from the fact that, you know, don't be too comfortable. Don't be too complacent in, in what it is that we do today ourselves and think that we can't be replaced, not just by artificial intelligence, but also by uh, increased efficiencies. Right. There, there are processes, there are, there are applications being written, there are software, there are, there, there are things being put in place just to make what we do overall as a society, as a capitalist society, more effective that could probably do what you do a lot better. I, I own two Teslas. Okay. And so, and, and that, that's an, an excellent example. Elon, Elon is very eccentric. You know, we, we won't get into that, but we'll, we'll talk about what he's doing with, with, with the with the car company and the fact that the efficiencies that they have built into that and the fact that they can make less cars than something like a Toyota and still have an equal net profit over a quarter. Cause they just had the quarterly announcement, so I know these things. But just you know, those types of things, and he's got these Optimus Prime robots. He's got this entire fully automated assembly environment that 
yes, replaces people. But I, I tend to have the conversation that we're not really replacing people. We're, we're taking you from being tactical to being more strategic. Right. So I well, take you, I, I take I, you from doing the landscaping work to actually programming a, ro a robot that does the automatic cutting, does, do, does the work for you. So I, I try to change folks perspective of, again, you're, you're going from a tactical, more operational piece to be maybe more strategic. And tell me what you think about that. And then we'll get into kind of the ethical yeah, AI piece. I can expand on, on what you're saying as far as the answer goes. Mm. And, uh, and I expand on it like this. Um, I expand on it and, and, you know, with these words, more or less, I say, have faith in humanity. Right. Wow. And the reason is this, you and I are both, uh, you know, obviously hardworking guys. Right. And, you know, we're not going to be sitting on our ass. You know, we will find something to do. And I'll give you some examples over the course of history. Okay. When the first automobiles were starting to come of age, if you go through the old newspapers, it was doom and gloom. Can you believe it? The horse and carriage business is over. What are these guys going to do? What are these guys going to do with themselves? Right. Guess what? Everything worked out, right? History shows over and over and over and over again that even as population grows, we still manage to feed ourselves more or less, right? And we still manage to have jobs because part of the human condition is this drive, this innate drive towards productivity and contribution. So yes, jobs are going to change. Yes, there's going to be automation. Are we going to replace all those jobs? No, but we will replace them with some type of occupation. I'll give you another example professional sports. Okay. Do professional sports really add to the human condition? Are they feeding it? Like, are they, are they doing anything productive for humanity? Wow. Not really. They're entertainment. Mm -hmm. Didn't exist 150 years ago. So we're going to create new things to occupy our time, new things to compete with each other on. That's how it's always been. So yes, you might not be mowing your lawn anymore, painting your house, building your house, doing your taxes, doing much, much of those types of tasks, but we'll always find something for you to do. That's, that's good stuff because those activities are here now. 3D printing is here today. That's a concept and that's an outpouring of artificial intelligence. And folks are building homes today using that technology. Um, and see, I, I see everyone watching. I appreciate you all on, on Twitter. Come on over here to Facebook. Uh, not Facebook. Come on over to YouTube so you can engage. But you probably didn't think we were going to go in this in this direction with this conversation. I am very happy that we are because this is a conversation that really needs to be had in terms of origins, the what, the why, and the how of artificial intelligence, especially for folks who may be removed. Right? See, we we're not. You and I aren't comfortable, with, but you you and I are kind of already inside on the conversation and i really would like to see folks who don't know about this particular aspect of economy and business chime in with their particular questions but in in, in my uh opening statements i talked about ethical ai and, and some of those concepts i was talking with one of your colleagues uh, a couple of weeks ago and, and we were talking about about that particular topic for our discussion and when, when i say ethical ai I, i'm gonna ask you what do you What's your definition of that? What what do you explain to folks when, when someone brings up that concept of ethical AI and, and then the, the racial bias piece right there yeah. again? I don't want that to fly over folks when I said that. That that was meant to be there, folks. I, I, I want to make sure you know that. But 
ethical AI and, and kind of the incorrect baseline data that we're seeing sure. right now with sure. some of the systems that are in place today and sure. how you think we can improve on that, if you don't mind. Yeah. No, 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 I don't mind at all. I mean, this is exactly why I wanted to have this engagement with you and build this relationship with you. And, you know, I, I, I'm not looking at any other screens right now, so I don't know who's on the chat. But if we've got AITX, uh, you know, fans and followers and retail investors out there, hello, everybody. <laughs> you know I love you. You know I adore you. Uh, this, this chat isn't really where we're going to talk about any of the rad subsidiaries, uh, but I'll pitch the December 7th event. And, um, and you guys know I'm always here. This time, I want to share a little bit about, a little bit more about me, my thoughts. Um, I think it's important. Number one, maybe, you know, we share some information that you didn't know before, but also you guys get another sense of character of the person who is leading uh, this great company. So I uh, just want to kind of Pitch, I love pitch that. I love that. And I appreciate you saying that. And I am putting up various comments that come in from all, all of the channels. So there, there will be some of that up there as well. And I have the uh, link stored. So when we talk about the, the event happening next month, but yeah, please love continue. That. Love that. Thank you for that, James. I want to, I want to start with, with sharing a, uh, a story that I was involved in back in the early two thousands and in, and I'm going to share the story and listen, you know, it's in hindsight, it's 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 a bit harrowing, right? Hmm. Um, for me to repeat it, you know, understanding the character of who I think I am. But I'll give you the story, right? I've, I've always been a tech evangelist, and uh, I was working with Motorola at the time, and we were doing early facial recognition, early, early, early facial recognition. We were doing it on like a purpose built, like um, you remember those uh, symbol scanners? You know, you do scanner, whatever, right? Whatever. It was like a glorified PDA. It was like 2002 or something. The processing power was, you know, like a Commodore 64. It was there you go. Right. Are you flashing back again, brother. Flashing back. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, there's a foundation we're built on. We have That's to recognize true. it. That's true. So the, the challenge that we were doing, what Motorola was, was trying to do was to bring technology to law enforcement to help uh, different tasks. And the task at hand that was a real problem in LA at the time, particularly Grand Park Division, where I was doing a lot of work for, mm. was um, gang force injunctions. So basically, um, some guy might get picked up in some type of crime or whatever, and usually as part of their plea deal or part of their parole deal, there would be um, a geographic injunction placed on them. You know, and the idea was was that if you restrict the person going back to where they were performing uh, nefarious deals or um, interacting and, you know, working with other gang members or, or other folks, right, then they would have propensity to repeat and you'd have the whole mm. recidification where they go back to jail after they do something bad, right? So the idea was, hey, as part of these conditions, you can't go back, you can't engage. So far, so good. The reality on the street was, was, you know, an officer might drive by, might see somebody that they picked up and, you know, had an issue with a couple of years ago or whatever, and he's back or she's back. And they'd go up and they, you know, hey, I thought, you know, I thought you're not allowed to be here. And the guy would be like, I, I'm allowed to be here. And they're like, well, what's your name? Well, my name's John Doe. Hmm. Like, literally, my name's John Doe. Do you have any ID on you? No, I don't have any ID on you. Now, police officer at the time, right, we were operating under a philosophy at that time called Broken Windows which, yeah. you know, has since proven to be not necessarily what we thought it was. Yeah. 
But anyway, we were operating under that. So we'd be like, okay, the police officer has a choice now. Guy doesn't have an ID, might be suspected of something. Does the guy, does the police officer bring him in, book him, blah, 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 go through the whole process? It would be more efficient if we could validate the person's ID in the field, right? Before having to go through and spend the extra money and time doing, doing that. So Motorola gave me a little handheld and I rode with LAPD and we would, you know, well, the LAPD would see somebody and we would pull over and say, Hey, do you have ID? No, 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 John, do blah, blah, blah. Put them up against the wall. Um, and we would, you know, I'd hold this, this like Palm pilot. I'd be like, okay, don't move. And it'd be like 150 people in the, in the Palm pilot for that injunction for that geographic area. And it'd be like, tch, 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 tch. and it was the slowest, worst mm. process ever. It was horrific. It may be better than bringing him down to the station though. <laughs> so, you know, that was, um, my early introduction into AI, right? Because you talk about it now today, you know, in today's climate, it was an aggressive police move for sure. Um, because it lends itself to abuse because the officer can say, I think I recognize that guy. I'm going to pull him over. I'm going to do something. You know, mm -hmm. that was the whole thing behind broken, behind broken windows. Broken windows was like, there's a broken window. It could be something else happening. Let's move in and force, right? They just tamped down on all these minor, minor infractions that turned out to be minority focused. Um, so, you know, the question is, is was that good technology use or was that not good technology use? Right. It kind of depends on what side of the fence you're on, you know, you're on the side of the fence of, of law and order, so to speak, or you're a victim or a victim's advocate, then you're like, yeah, I want to know who that guy is. And yeah, if that guy's breaking the law, he shouldn't be here. So yeah, let's get him off the street or do all that. Right. You might be on that side. If you're on the other side, we're saying, hey, the guy wouldn't do anything. Was he really doing anything? Did you really have reason to stop him? Blah, 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 right? That's that's where this came to me. And I started digging into the ethical dilemmas of use of technology. Now, we're at a situation where, you know, and just to kind of put a high level um, topic on the discussion, more or less, or a description on the discussion, the issue is, is that after decades and decades of, you know, issues with how different minorities have been treated. Mm -hmm. We have a data set that is completely polluted with these types of um, these types of issues. So the data set that we would rely on to populate an AI model is flawed right off the bat. Yes. So where do you start from? Where do you create this data set from? You can't create it from historical from historical records. And then we move back into the ethical debate. Where do you pull this data from and who's making that decision? Do you start over or do you pull it, it's almost a question of what what part of that is accurate right what what foundational pieces can can you build on and build around and pull out i mean is, is it from a layman's perspective right is, is it that easy to do and I, I guess that's really the challenge of someone like like you who and your organizations who today are building security aware and secure and devices that have to identify individuals, have to identify situations and make that decision and send that decision to law enforcement or to whomever a responsible party and say, from the eyes, from the nose, from the ears, from, the, from, from this description that I have looking at this subset of data, this image, 
is Steve Reinhardt. Yeah. But well, it could you. be, it could be your, I'm going to give you a brother. I don't know if you have a brother, but it, it's Paul Reinhardt, right? Yeah. Yeah, they're bad, but they're both bad. By the way, they need pretty, to pretty much. You know, right you got to watch out for that for that they, twin brother, man. They shouldn't be on the streets. They need to be not. My brothers, are, <laughs> my brothers are great. There's something Love else. It. But um, uh, you know, from from me, AITX and our subsidiaries, uh, we've uh, come up with a way where we don't get involved in any of it. And I'm That's happy good. to share okay. that. Okay, interesting. You. Okay. Yeah, because um, I don't know what the answer is, and I am not the judge. I am not going to be responsible for that, okay? Until there's some type of collective, you know, standards put a, put together by a group where equal input and, you know, an intelligent group. I'm not the guy to put that together. That's, that's for actually, sure. That's actually a good uh, delineation, right? And, and really kind of a, certain, a separation of your role and your responsibility. So, I mean, it's actually refreshing to hear someone admit that, right? Your, yeah. your, your charge is to build the infrastructure build a piece that does the thing, but you know, yeah. from the, the other aspects of building the platform, a building environment that that's really a, a governing board, a political, whatever the case right. may be, but you, you, I, I tend to use this term, stay in your lane. You, you yeah, know yeah, where yeah. your lane is, right? I, yeah. I, I like that. I appreciate that. I want, I'm going to go back. There was a question that came in from uh, the community here and, and it was about those security robots. And John Galt sure. is asking, do the rad security robots replace people in jobs or fill jobs that people don't really want to do? That's a very oh. interesting question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. We do both. So so I, I want to hit that John Galt question in one second, but there's one other piece uh, that I want to just add on what I was saying earlier, yeah. James, which is that what we do is we don't do any bio-identifiable uh, metadata tagging. Okay. Okay. This and, and this is this is something that I share. I share it in the industry, and I encourage other people to do that. So I'm not interested in judging race, age, gender, height, handicap, any of those things. No interest in that whatsoever. I'm interested in: Are you a person? Are you at a place where you should be? Somewhere where you should be or shouldn't be? Are you, and what are you doing? Behavior analytics. That's what I'm saying. So I'm saying take the ability to have bias completely out of the equation. Wow. Okay. Take it That's... out of the equation. I don't think that it's relevant at all. I think it only causes problems. That right there. And again, we weren't going to talk about you know the organizations and you know in depth and that. But I'm just going to say that right there probably opens up more opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> for for you and your technologies, because thinking of RFPs and RFQs and RFI, you know, thinking of the check marks and check boxes that folks have to to check when it comes to finding a solution, or finding a platform, you can fit into a lot of different types of scenarios by not being stuck or pigeonholed into I can only do or I do this, where yeah. you actually do this. I mean, that, that, that's an interesting perspective. And again, I, I didn't want to gloss over that because I think that sets you up as a, almost as a unicorn in terms of, again, what folks, what I'm going back to is what folks think about when they think about artificial intelligence and this type of technology, right? They think that you do that, but in terms, and having this dialogue with you and your role at this particular organization, no, you in turn do this. That's an aha moment for folks to say, okay. Let me let me let me rethink and let me rechange my perceived bias 
for right. artificial intelligence and the industry and the technology and where we're going, yada, yada, yada. So I, I wanted to, to touch on that because that, that was a key factor that, again, I, didn't, I don't like to gloss over things. I didn't want to make an assumption. No, uh, I appreciate either. that, James. There's one more thing that I want to share. Yeah. Not as related to AITX. And John Galt, I got your question. We're going to hit it. But just in the, I, I need to finish the context of that discussion thread. And that is, no, I haven't heard anybody say this. Okay, except for the data scientists and the inference engine engineers that actually do this work. Okay, when it comes to facial recognition or crowd scanning or whatever it is that you want to say, okay, the reality of an RGB camera, okay, a color camera, is that you know part of it is we're looking for contrast, right? We're yeah. looking for contrast, all these different areas, right? Well, light-colored skin folks, we have more contrast. Dark colored skin folks, less contrast. True. True. What does that mean? It means that there's a, a significantly higher um, ability of the analytic to not properly distinguish between people that have darker skin, which reinforces the bias. Say that again for the people in the back of the room. <laughs> right. Because that, again, right. Right. You, you drop us some gems right there. And what you're saying right there can't be overstated. Say that right. one more, that entire thing right again, because that, that is okay. huge. So what I'm saying is that is that is that the way that visible light cameras work. OK, yeah. we, I call them RGB cameras. Right. Which are all the cameras that are out there is we're looking for contrast. We're looking for color. The cameras do a little digital signal processing to make it look really good on screen and so forth. But if you're light skinned, it's easier to do. There's more areas of contrast. Okay. So I can get a better fingerprint, so to speak, of a face. Dark skin, less contrast, the way that the camera picks up and the light reflects. I have a less distinct fingerprint. Less distinct fingerprint opens it up for more ability for misidentification. Is that discussion being had in the halls of legislation? Is that dis discussion being had in the halls of our uh, enforcement organizations? When, when you go sit down at the conference room about how to make society better and you've got a particular piece of technology, you, you've got Romeo, you've got you've got all these things that you do. Is that part of the discussion that's initiated from you or is that part of the discussion that's initiated from those other organizations? Because that piece right there, again, talking about the ethical pieces of artificial intelligence and the incorrect baseline data that we have, if we're not having that discussion at that level, we'll continue to have these challenges and unfortunate stories within the news. So I'm just wondering where that piece of the discussion originates from, if you don't, if you don't it's, mind. It's not having, it, it, the discussion is not being had okay. at all is what it is. I haven't seen it being discussed at all whatsoever. And that's why, again, I like coming on these things and saying, hey, guys, it's a little bit deeper than you think. Yeah. And that's one of the key things. How can we support a technology like that that has a distinct disadvantage for a portion of the population? It's, 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 it's things that we have to discuss. And that's why we go back to, again, I'll pitch AITX, what we do, which is no bioidentifiers. Love it. The okay. awkward conversation is good stuff. Okay, now, now, now yeah. you're going to take care of our guys. <laughs> yeah, John, uh, without uh, hesitation I'll or bring it shame, back yeah, I will share. We um, absolutely replace security guard jobs. For sure we do. 
and I want to do it hundreds of thousands of times. And I'll tell you why I want to do it. Number one, most security jobs suck. Most security jobs stay on the job four months. That's a pretty crappy job, right? It's not like we're taking doctor's jobs away from people. Go talk to the guys making the doctor's robots for that one, right? So these are terrible jobs in general. The, the situation that I testified at a couple of days ago was uh, a passenger getting off of a light rail train and then stabbing the conductor twice. Wow. Right? So taking people out of dangerous situations for me is an honorable occupation. And I appreciate doing that. The next thing is, is we are absolutely putting in our security robots in areas where clients want guards but can't afford them because we have inflation, because we have wage growth, because we have corporate profits being, you know, needing to be where they're at. Every cost is always under pressure. So if a device like a Rosa or a Romeo or an Ava can perform the job at the same level, and in many cases better, then you can bet the companies are going to go do that. You can bet that we all do that every day in our daily life. Like James with his, with his fleet of Teslas, it's easier. Well, but hold on, don't, 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 hold on. No, in, don't do that. Don't come around here, folks, look, looking for the, this this fleet of Teslas. Because right now, don't <laughs> let me interject on that right there. We can. <laughs> I may not have Romeos around the house watching, but we, we, okay. I'm sorry. Let me let you. Continue. No, it's all funny. It's all good. But the, but the point of the matter is, is no, we certainly are. We're doing it similar to how um, the IBM personal computer replaced secretaries. Mm. We're doing it similar to how the the microprocessor, you guys, I I mean, I know our audience is probably younger and, and, and awesome, but you know, in the twenties, thirties, forties, and fifties, all around the country, there were buildings, mid rise and high rise buildings where people predominantly women would just, they'd have a headset on and they'd pull a, a 3.5 millimeter audio switch out of one <laughs> thing and they put it in another. They're called switch switchboard operators. And it was probably one of the most torturous jobs that America and the Western world had at the time. Those jobs don't exist anymore. And guess what happened? People have full employment in better jobs and life goes on because humans are awesome. Yeah. And even though we might not always have the way forward exactly clear, we figure it out over time. Yeah, I appreciate that. And, and that's, I mean, also goes kind of in what I was saying, where you're deploying technology that allows individuals to be, I, I, I always say, less tactical and more strategic, right? So continue to evolve, people, right? Continue to learn, continue to have education as part of a core piece of what it is that you do, such that you can progress from nothing wrong with landscaping, love landscaping, right? Well, I, I don't love doing it much anymore, but you know, Grow your skill set to where you can continue to provide an effective means to society, right? That's that's why part of the story of what perspective and focus is again highlighting the people, industries, and ideas and technology making positive strides within society. Continue to evolve yourself and always be a student. So, yep. be less tactical in an organization that you're working for, or have that entrepreneurial bug to where you go out and do your own thing, right? Write a book at 19 like Steve did. <laughs> that, I, I can't get over that. that that's good stuff. I, I got to find this book, man. If, it's, if on it's on Amazon. Amazon I'm, 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 I'm going to go get it today. I'll, I'll send you a copy. It's <laughs> I easy. But, 
but, um, but, but again, know, we're, we're in line with that. So yeah, I, I just wanted along to say those that. lines, you know, humans have replaced menial jobs since the very beginning of time, yeah. you know, um, you know, so, you know, I know politically often it's not the right thing to say. And I'm like, I don't care. I'm going to say whatever it is I yeah. think is right. You know, I'm not, I'm not looking for votes. You know, mm -hmm. I'm looking to build a business based on truth. Um, but, you know, security guard jobs are not great. Typist jobs are not great. Switchboard jobs are not great. You know, before that, you know, an example that I like to use is, you know, early settlements, right? You had to build a house. You know, so what did you do? You, you had four or five people uh, helping you bring rocks from the river, right? And you'd build your house, blah, 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 right? And then they invented the wagon. And it was two people, you know, two people loading up the wagon. You had the wheels on the wagon. You, you'd drag it around. What happened to those four people's jobs? Where did those mm. guys go? Yeah. They figured it out. We always figure it out. So I encourage people to be brave, be realistic, and um, and have some faith. It'll work out. You'll get a job. I love that. I love that. I uh, wanted to circle to a couple of things. Andrew Hollenbach, I see your comments. And I, I'm just, maybe if you can rephrase some of the things that you're, you're saying so I can make sure that they're in line with the conversation that we're having today. Respectfully, I, I would love to bring them up, but I just want to make sure they're in line with what Steve and I are talking about. Uh, before I ask you about the event uh, next month, let me let me ask short mid. I hate talking long term, but short midterm. Where do you see your involvement in artificial intelligence and the adoption of artificial intelligence from a from a business perspective and even as as an evangelist perspective? Right, your continued role personally as Steve Reinhardt going out there and telling the story. Where, where, yeah. Do you see that as being something that's going to be relatively straightforward and easy to tackle or kind of a, an uphill battle, uphill conversation to try to get some of those lobbyists and some of those law enforcement and some of those other folks in those conference rooms to have this type of discussion? If you see where I'm going. I do. I have a number in mind, James. Hmm. I have a number. Is that the lot of numbers, man? Let me write this down. Hold on. You got the lot of numbers. My, where my usefulness my usefulness expires, you know, I'm very well okay. aware. We all have our moment. Mm. We all have our peak, you know, um, and I'm focused on getting AITX to 5,000 deployed units fixed and um, fixed and stationary devices, you know, robotic devices, robotic, meaning that they're doing some type of autonomous action at the edge. So I feel when I get to 5,000, I'll feel that I'll have uh, won the battle that I started which is bring AI-enabled, purpose-built robots into a specific part of the service industry. Okay. And then someone else needs to take over it from there. Along the lines, yeah, there's a lot of pitching that I do, evangelizing that I do, um, leading that I do, creating that I do. Uh, but again, uh, you know, I think you have to be aware that there is an end. And, mm. and I think it makes you appreciate the present more, at least for me. Yeah, understanding. I won't always have this position. Today is the, is the youngest I'll ever be, so I'm. I go as hard as I can every day. That's that's actually humbling and refreshing to hear you say that you you. Not you know your your mortality from this role and this position, but that you know your. If you've reached that peak, peak right? If you if you know when it's time to pass the baton, right? When yeah. you, you've set out the goal, you set up the mission, you set out the purpose, and you know when you reach that don't stay in the game too, too long. Right. I, I always hate to see players that are, that are out there, you know, trying to 
dribble up and down the court when they, they know the time. If the time has passed, be conscious enough in the moment to know when it's time to pass the baton to the next person, to the one that you've trained and one that you, you've brought up in, in your shadow as your protege. And, and that's 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 actually refreshing to hear someone again from a C-suite know when it's time to go do something else maybe, right? And and turn the reins over. So that, that that's pretty cool to hear that. Yeah. Thanks, James. Appreciate that. Um, okay. Interesting comments again, and, and then we'll get into that. But, you know, John was saying, uh, Rad makes and sells security robots. I have read that the most exciting thing you developers are working on is the underlying software. Can you talk about the software and why this is exciting? Um, yeah. Listen, I, it's so fun dreaming up and, you know, creating and leading a team to build you know, these kinds of devices here that nobody's ever seen before. Like, that's fun. I'm not telling you, it, it's straight up fun. And I love doing it. Yeah. I love working with our teams doing that. But really, the vision that we have is for connected, autonomous security, blanketing, you know, people mm. and property around where it is. And that's, you know, not just done with great hardware, but it's the, the core is the software. That's why we have Rad G. That's why we have the dedicated FPGA boards that we're building on Rad G to put into EV charging stations, to put into a couple other markets that we're trying to explore. Because the software that we created is so simple. Uh, it's not simple, but it's so like easy to use. Um, it's so elegant um, and it's so powerful. And that's really that's really what we are. We're we're a software company masquerading as a hardware company. I don't talk about the software that much because I don't want people to know about it, you know. I want people to focus on the hardware yeah. and get your hands around it. You can kind of, you know, do stuff with it, but it's really the software that uh, makes it easy to use, makes it engaging, makes it effective, minimizes the time you have to do those functions and performs as much as it could autonomously. You, you're you doing a disservice, I think, but because you kind of lit up just now and it, it showed your heritage as a coder. When you started talking <laughs> software as opposed to hardware, right? We we talk differently, coders who, who right? You you had a different dynamic when you started talking about you, you use some words that typically aren't. I'm telling you, man, keep talking to software talk because that you, you know, it, it's almost like a heckling jide. Uh, heck, you know, but man, that that was pretty cool just to sit here and watch. And I'm gonna rewind it and, and watch it a little bit later. But you kind of almost flipped the switch when you started talking about the software piece, how that part matters, right? Yeah, we we see and we can physically touch and we can, you know, you've got the knobs and the lights and all that on the hardware piece, but the brains behind it and the thing that makes the thing work, yeah, that's the part right there that may not need as much explanation, but needs to have the, the respect for what goes on behind the scenes, because yeah. that's where yeah. the magic happens. Right. And again, I'm that's coming still, from. A, <laughs> I'm still that 10 year old kid. You, sitting I, in you, it came out and, and you ten, half a minute ago, man. Out. I saw it. Yeah. I saw it. I, I love it, brother. I love yeah. it. Sammy, I see you in the right. building. Thanks for joining. This is an excellent conversation. You definitely want to watch the replay if, if you haven't seen it all, let me bring up this one other comment because these are some good stuff coming in. Digital Great. Surf Trading is asking, I've seen recently that AITX is also involved in EV charging stations. Yeah. Is that solely a software type of involvement or physical equipment robot type as well? Great question. Great question. I do need to publish the Rad G uh, brochure sheet. Hmm. Uh, and we're going to be uh, showing a really cool kind of promo video specifically related to Rad G. We're going to demo that. 
or premiere it on December 7th. But RadG is hardware and software. RadG is a package um, of hardware and software plus NRE, non-recurring engineering charges, that EV charging companies and really anybody who wants to incorporate the system into their hardware, where all of a sudden they become another node on the RAD network. Nice. Okay. You know, they get access to the software. We're using the hardware. We're giving them the NRE. Um, because I think that, you know, like for instance, we, we do a good deal of work in small box retailers, you know, gas stations, truck okay. stops, those types of areas. Like, yeah. you know, those types of areas have different types of crimes that um, are, are problems, but the companies themselves don't generate enough profit to be able mm. to hire security guards and law enforcement after a time, after your 200th call that year are going to be less responsive to you over time. I'm talking about everything from, you know, chronic narcotics trafficking that happens, truck stops, solicitation, illegal loitering and homelessness, assault, those types of issues. So, you know, our devices take care of that really, really well. And as, you know, guys and girls who own Teslas, and by the way, uh, we had Tesla like number 9,200 in, 20, in 2015, you know, we were, we were early on that. We, were, we got one <laughs> Yeah, we're on our fourth right now. There you go. Uh, See, now, now, you, now you just, okay, now you're showing off. Okay. <laughs> now, we get to, I, my, I, go, I got pictures go. of mine on, on my wall too, but you know, I, I'm, I'm oh, kind of bougie like oh. that. I, I do. Oh, okay. Nice, okay. Hold on. You, you're you going to, you're going to make me do this, aren't you? Did you? What did you do to yours? I need to see it now. Um, let's see this guy. This, this is guy. All right. There, there we go. You see, uh, there, oh, there's the why. There's yeah. the, there's yeah. see. Oh, you know what? That's, that's nobody wants to see. Point. Nobody wants to see this. You know, let, let, let's go back to this guy. You see, nobody wants to I see. Want it. see it. I like that. 2016 right. S and a 2022 Y. Yeah, man. I, I will yeah. not buy a gas car again. <laughs> yeah, my wife won't either. Wife I'm won't trying either. to get my wife to that point. We're at that conversation right now. I'm a, I'm a tie. That was her just calling just now. She's probably at the BMW dealer trying to trade in her lease. I'm putting my business out of really? the street, but I'm yeah. trying to get her to get the, the EV one. Okay. There we go. My wife, won't, uh, my wife won't go back to gas. Yeah. She hates it. Yeah. Long, anyway, long story cool. short, like digital surf trading was saying, yes. Okay. So you are involved in some type of EV uh, capabilities and technologies as well. Yeah, so and we do the hardware and the software and we take that model. We want to take that model into other manufacturers of devices that need security. I mean, I'm talking vending machines. I'm mm. talking anywhere. Um, but I was saying that, you know, as these uh, EV charging stations become more popular, yeah. Um, because more people have them and need to start using them, we're going to start seeing increases in crime at those areas, and there will be a need for security. EV charging companies are starting to see that. So I think that as usual, at least for AITX, you know, we've spotted a problem that may not have fully manifested itself yet, which is right where we want to be. Mm. We want to be the first ones in, the early adopter. We want to create the dialogue for the problem, create the demand, and then have the solution going forward. That's very, very Steve Jobsian of you. I don't even know if that's a word, but right. I mean, thinking about you know taking the, 
taken the uh, headphone jack out before we really thought that we needed to take it out. You know, that, that kind of thing. But that, that's good. You have to be at that point. You, you have to be thinking two steps above the curve so, so you can prepare and, and do all of the manufacturing, all of the stuff you got to do behind the scenes. You, exactly. you touched on it. Let's bring it up right now and talk about your event coming up December 7th, the uh, open house and rad technology reveal. Give us a little bit of insight about what this is. It's, it's going to be big. Okay. It's going to be big. And when I say it's going to be big, I say that it's going to be packed full of meaningful information for AITX retail investors, but it's not just for retail investors. It's for the industry as well. So I actually have a copy of the almost finalized agenda in front of me. And I'll give you a little hint. Uh, we're going to, we got a guy named Jeffrey Slotnick, who's the chairperson of our board of advisors. He's going to give and um, some industry information. We've got two dealers there, two of our dealers there okay. talking about why the solution is great for them. They're both guarding companies. Uh, we got hardware updates on Rosa, Ava. We have two new product introductions. We have a Rad G update. Um, we got patent reveal, intellectual okay. property update. Okay. A lot of stuff, plus some surprises, plus some surprises. So, it's going to be like, I'm looking at it, at the list, and I'm just like, first of all, it grew, you know, because I was like, hey, let's have a little investor. We got to talk about this and this. And I was like, well, let's do this and this and this and this and this. And now we got this like huge thing to do to the point where I was like, maybe we should space this out over time. But I can't space it out over time because if you follow AITX, you know I'm terrible at keeping secrets and I <laughs> want to share as soon as things happen. I want the team to know. Um, so as a result, we're going to try and limit this thing to 90 minutes. You got to watch it on YouTube if you can't be there. I think you're going to have a stream, James, for your audience with commentary. That's that's what we've talked about. We're, we're going to have some type of a collaboration going. So I'm looking forward to having that further discussion. But yet, yeah, I still wanted folks to know when it was. I'll put the link in the uh, show notes in the description so you can actually see this and register for the event as well. But yeah, this looks like a, a good time here. So, yeah. Much appreciated, James. Thanks for that call. It's going to be fun. People need to pe people need to people need to see it. Because, people need to uh, see it. I, I love it. Yeah, I love I mean, it. You know, listen, we're on the OTC. Okay, yeah. the OTC is is a challenging uh, market, but there are some really good companies that do real work. One of the reasons why I'm so engaged with AITX retail investors is to give them the confidence. Hey. I give you the insight. We go through a tour through the uh, through the production facility. I walk you through our R and D facility in Canada. We put other people on things. Like we are making it happen with some of the best companies in the world. And yes, yes, my my enthusiasm is one hundred percent sincere. I love it, and um, I and I look forward to you walking through our factory too, because you'd be like, man, that's cool. Listen, man, did you you just say the word right? Let's 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 talk about that offline. I tell you sure. what, I, I got one more question that finally that did came in. Andrew clarified what he was saying, and then I'll ask kind of my my closing remarks here. Andrew is, is asking, when you walk into a Meyer, and I, I assume that's a supermarket, at, at four to six p.m., seventeen okay. lanes are closed. Checkout is mainly self checkout. What could they do with those seventeen lanes? Where will technology play a role? So I think he's asking, walk into an environment again. I'm assuming this is a, a, a supermarket, something of that nature. How can the AITX family of products and services help secure those environments where, again, it's just a the consumer there and there needs to be some type of 
watchful eye, yeah. making sure that they're safe? You know, I don't know, right? Mm. You just made it on me. I don't know. I don't have an answer <laughs> for you in that. Okay. But what I can share with you is I've been traveling this week and uh, I was in, maybe I was in, I was in Baltimore. I was in BWI mm. flying out early, early, early or whatever, whatever. I think it was BWI. And um, I need like, you know, protein shake, whatever the heck I need. Right. And I'm looking around and there's like a store and there's nobody in the store and there's turnstiles at the, at the door. Right. Multiple turnstiles to get into the store. Nobody in the store, but all the stuff that I wanted was in the store. And I go up and I'm looking around. And I'm like, is this one of those like unmanned stores or something like that? That'd be cool. Um, so basically what I did is to get in is I presented a credit card. Okay. Presented a credit card. And I'm looking around the instructions say, present your credit card, the doors will open, and then just pick out whatever it is that you want mm -hmm. and walk out. Okay, I'm like, okay. So I picked up two things. And it wasn't like there was like any type of scanner and any type of cameras that were watching me weren't really like it wasn't apparent to me, you know, and I got a plane to catch anyway. So it's not like I could spend right. 15 minutes looking around, right? I grab a couple things. I'm looking around. Do I need to scan anything? There's nothing to scan. I walk out to the same portals. Um, doesn't even ask me for my credit card. There's a camera sitting there watching me. Opens up the gate. Off I walk. Mm. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I was charged at all. I don't know if they charged me for 50 bags of chips instead <laughs> of the one that I took. I have no idea. <laughs> but, you know, that's what's going to happen. And, and it's important. To, to share that, that this future that we have isn't in everybody's head. We don't see it yet, but it's coming. But um, the point that I want to make is that overall, humans are incredibly trustworthy and do the right thing when presented with, with an option. And that's an example of it, you know, because in the olden days, you'd be like, oh, I need three people watching. What's he doing? The reality is, is we're more trustworthy than that. I like that. And that's, that's a good way to, to close out this session, right? I mean, I mean again, it's, it's more of an optimistic, it's more of, a, again, that glass half full that in, inherently we as a overall society aren't as bad as we right. see on the news every day, right? right? So so don't build that inherent bias into right. this new technology that is doing that recognition, that is doing that observation, right? To, have more faith in, in the folks that you engage with, have more faith in, in what's coming down the pike and that the fact that there could be and that there should be and there typically are and is folks behind the scenes that are doing the right thing to put these technologies and these infrastructures and these tools and these processes and things of that nature in place. Steve, you're a good dude. Yeah, you're, 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 you're a good <laughs> I dude. Know, man. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation and uh, really appreciate, uh, really appreciate the attention you you gave us on the call. Thank you. Thank you, man. Get back to your day job. I know you got probably folks calling you on, on your phone as well, but it was great talking to you. I look forward to meeting you in the future. And folks, if you got any questions, please send them to me and I will make sure that Steve and his team get a hold to it. You guys be good.